I mean, what's pro football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going team by team. I would be very careful about slinging stuff. Am I going to get sued? Are we going legal on this? I like football, I like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL podcast. Steve Pelzola here with Sam Monson on a Labor Day. Happy Labor Day with curtains in the background here because that's what we have today. Maybe that's why the TVs aren't working because it's Labor Day. It's no, Labor Day. Nobody's for the TVs. working today except us. Nobody's working. Everything's shutting down here on Labor Day, but we're not. We are previewing officially, officially, officially previewing the 2022 NFL season. Sam, after like seven months of saying the same stuff here on the podcast, it's we get to say it stuff. one more time. One last time. One last time until we have new stuff to really react to this weekend. Uh huh. You can have fresh takes. Yeah. Like this nice. week. You well, just... fresh takes. That's the thing. It's, it's, that's why people overreact to week one. It was the first new thing you saw in the it's last fresh. six months, yeah. nine months. You finally get to say something different, and then you just go all the way to the other end of the, you know. Yeah. Seven, seven months of analysis and study, and we're just, we're just going to throw it out the window a week from now. It's going to yeah, be great. Just in the euphoria of having new things to see. So it's very exciting. We're going to officially preview the season right now with uh, some predictions. We're going to go through our division winners, wildcard teams, and, uh, and some awards. And then maybe, who knows? We'll see where it goes. Who knows? Who knows? Um, so appreciate everybody tuning in here on a Monday morning. You should all be watching because uh, nobody's working. So you're watching the PFF NFL podcast. Yeah, I mean, there's really no excuse at that point. There were some follow-up bets that I feel like we should acknowledge. But we're running out of time to be able to do that. So yeah. appreciate everybody that, that sent in the bets that we accepted. We'll get that Google Doc out there. We do have a couple people that are, uh, offered to pretty up the Google Doc so mm. that we can make it view only so all of our listeners can, can keep track here. Um, let's, let's check the charity update real quick. We are at $1,895, almost right. at the 2000 barrier. 2500 was our goal. And then we raise money for Good Cause, Needs, Inc., uh, getting service dogs for people that don't have $60,000 sitting around. And uh, once we get there, we get to see if I can throw a baseball 60 miles an hour. I can't wait. We're going to check that out at some point, and it uh, looks like sometime this fall. You'll, we're on pace for this fall sometime you're going to be yes. throwing it. Do we need to call University of Cincinnati again? Oh, that poor guy. They're probably playing fall ball again. right now. I mean, we were doing it around like Thanksgiving time, and that was, it was cold. Yeah, wasn't the best time to go. Yeah. Do I don't need the same kind of warm-up that you had. I'm not 45 minutes. I'm not, no. I, I suggest you do. No. I suggest look, you I, warm up not a four, Yeah, well, look, there's warming up and there's what you did, right? I, I can throw a few balls around, you know, do that whole Daniel Jones thing, you know, the whatever yeah. he does walking around before a game. It's not Daniel. Five minutes. Does that. It's Tom House. It's our for, friend of the show, Tom House's stuff. Whatever. I'm just saying five minutes, I'm yeah. good. I don't need this 45-minute warm-up like you had. Particularly when, you know, the 45-minute warm-up produced a, a max of 75. Maybe I got tired. <laughs> Maybe I maxed higher than that in my warm-up. All I would suggest is you work on a little scapular stability and scapular strength in these next few weeks leading up to it. Okay. I would, that's what I would do. I, I, anyway, thanks to everybody that's already donated. Sam's pin tweet at PFF underscore Sam. I'm going to give it a little push again this weekend. Or the uh, description of the podcast. Always. I always forget that. Mm. All right, man. You want to... You want to get into this? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, one other thing I want to ask the listeners. We want to try to have a few guests on Wednesdays. But we just, I mean, we want the high-powered guests. You know, preview and helping to preview Thursday night football, having some great football discussions. If you do have any suggestions, we've got a list. I think we've got, I mean, we're talking, we're trying to grab some former coaches and NFL GMs or whoever it might be. But there might be other media people. But who do we? Who do you think will have a great football discussion with us and help us preview the weekly Thursday night matchups? That's what we're looking for. So send us those suggestions as well if you have somebody maybe that we haven't thought of or maybe someone we have thought of. Who knows? But um, open, open to all those suggestions. All right, you ready to go through this? Mm-hmm. The official preview of the 2022 NFL season. Let's start with division predictions. Let's start in the AFC East because that's what we do. Can anybody beat the Buffalo Bills? Can they? Maybe. Will they? No. All right. It's about the size Agreed. Let's go to the AFC North. I mean, the Bills have the best roster in the NFL. I think that's reasonably well established. Like, they tend to be top of pretty much every power rankings out there. They've got an elite quarterback. They're really good in pretty much every aspect. Um, They've got depth in a lot of places areas of concern it's like oh they're letting some of their receivers walk but they've replaced them with guys that look like they're going to be just as effective it's they're well coached like it's very hard to see a reason why buffalo wouldn't win that division barring injury you know catastrophe which is always a leveler in in any division any team so can one of new england miami or the jets run them close overhaul them yeah probably but there's very little reason to think it will happen what are the odds? Oh, sorry, I can't even find the division odds right now. I'm just unprepared. I'm unprepared over yeah. here on DraftKings. Look it up while I'm talking. Okay, so um, we have a couple suggestions in the chat, Oh yeah. by the way, for guests. Emery Hunt mm-hmm. is the first one to come up. Greg Cosell. We did have Greg on the show before. Emery could absolutely help us break down some Division Two and some Canadian prospects. They always end up pretty high in his rankings. Just saying we could we could do that around draft time, get Emery out there. I think he knows every football player in multiple nations. So pretty in-depth there. Yeah, I mean, look, the Bills, this is their year, right? I mean, this is this is going to be the the most common Super Bowl prediction yeah. is going to be the Bills this year. Vaughn Miller's coming in, flashy name, deep defensive line. Josh Allen has back-to-back years of showing the elite play. He's going he's gonna to put it all together this year. I mean, that's one of the biggest stories of the season. I think the Bills absolutely – are going to win the AFC East, and they're going to be a lot of people's pick for AFC champion yeah. and perhaps Super Bowl champion. Betting favorite in the division at minus 230. The next closest teams are the Patriots and the Dolphins tied at plus 475. So it's a big gap between Buffalo and anybody else, which send, I think send me that link, will you? is a fair reflection. I love, to, I love that we get to see them play the Rams week one yeah. this week, right? Kicking it, kicking it right off with the defending Super Bowl champions and the team most – People are expecting to go to the Super Bowl and perhaps win it in the AFC East. Without Tredavious White, though, right? Isn't he hurt? Yes. Still still recovering from last year's injury. So that will be an issue. And uh, we'll preview all of that. We'll do that Thursday. We'll still preview that Thursday, right? Because we're going to start the extra show next week. The, the Wednesday show will start next week, midweek Wednesday show. Anything else on the AFC East? I think this is one of the more lopsided, at least from an odd standpoint, I don't. We'll, we'll talk about. We talked about Tua today on the daily and what the Dolphins might do. 
And I'm just like, I'm just a sucker right now for the Dolphins. Mm. Yeah. Sucker for the Dolphins. And I think they're going to maybe be in my wild card group. When yeah. we get to there. me, the interesting part about this division is what happens after Buffalo. If Buffalo wins, they probably win reasonably comfortably. But like those odds show, the Patriots and the Dolphins are kind of tied for next up. You know, that's where it starts to get interesting. I think both those teams uh, expect to be in the wild card mix. Um, and that that's the focus. And then obviously the Jets, it's like, can they find a quarterback? Because if they can, like, the Jets can insert themselves into that mix if they get any kind of good quarterback play. Let's not forget that last year, what was it, week 14 or so, whatever it might have been, there was a game between the Bills and the Patriots for first place in the division. The Patriots were, you know, all up there in number one seed territory for a while. Now the Bills, it was it was a huge game where the Bills stepped up and said, "No, we're the we're the champs here. We we've taken over." And and Josh Allen took over that game in New England and did a great job. Um, but it's not when we make these predictions, even if they seem like a slam dunk, it doesn't mean it's going to be start to finish, wall to wall, nonstop here. I don't know what to make of the Patriots other than there's a, a lot of turnover there and there's a lot of, you know, just negativity coming out of camp as far as what the offense is going to do, the play calling, Mac Jones, and the whole thing. So that one, you know, the Patriots should be good, I think, on paper, but there's just so much buzz about how this offense is struggling. So I would lean the Dolphins at second here in the East. And I think the Dolphins have a chance at that wild card spot. Can't believe you don't have faith in Matt Patricia to nurture along a young quarterback and help him realize his best self. Just we just don't have a ton of evidence that he could do it yet. It's just disappointing. We'll see. We'll see. So we're both taking the Bills in the AFC East. Let's go to the AFC North. This one completely wide open, man. You've got the defending AFC North champions, AFC champions as well, the Cincinnati Bengals. You have the Baltimore Ravens, everybody's pick. To be the team that didn't make the playoffs last year that makes it this year, it's a pretty obvious pick because they also were in number one seed territory for a while. A lot of teams were in the AFC last year. The Ravens were really good until they lost two games going for two, you know, going for the win. And there's some variance there. And then, you know, Lamar Jackson gets hurt. You have the Pittsburgh Steelers with Mitchell Trubisky and also, or Kenny Pickett. All of their corners got hurt. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the Ravens played that whole season with their pretty much without with a depleted secondary. I mean, it was it was bad injury-wise. Um, you've got the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you've got the Cleveland Browns mm-hmm. with 11 games of Jacoby Brissett to kick things off. If Deshaun Watson was playing the entire season, certainly changes some of the predictions here. So where are you going in the AFC North? Yeah, I am leaning Baltimore as a bounce back season, I think. I mean, they are, they're very well coached. They have a lot of talent. They're one of the most unique teams in the NFL in terms of how they run things on both sides of the ball, even if the defense might be coming back towards the middle of the pack a little bit more. Um, they, and, and I think the thing that derailed them last year was all those injuries concentrated in really important areas. I mean, okay, they lost the backfield before the season and everyone was like yeah you know what no big deal baltimore's offense it doesn't really matter who the running back is and it kind of proved that way but it does matter who the cornerbacks are and you can't call up guys from the practice squad in the same week they're expected to cover Devonte adams one-on-one um similarly it matters to a degree when you go from lamar jackson to tyler huntley to the third back you know the third quarterback it's just they just got so wrecked by injuries and 
I think half of it is that, expecting a, a bounce back from Baltimore there, and half of it is expecting some kind of regression from the Bengals. And look, I, I like what the Bengals did in the offseason. I think they were very astute to recognize that they overachieved last year and weren't just a player away from going back to the Super Bowl and winning it and everything would be good. They understood that their offensive line stank, and they went out there and overhauled it, got three new guys, made some really nice moves, uh, didn't break the bank to do it. They drafted well. I like what the Bengals have done. But you look last year, that offense was riding a, I think, an unsustainable rate of explosive plays and high-leverage plays, you know, from Burrow to Chase, which is the – the kind of that is the sustainable part. Burrow to Jamar Chase should be an incredible connection for as long as we see it. But it's probably not going to be incredible the same way it was last year. And if you look at that offense, even with all those explosive plays, it ranked like 14th or something in EPA per play. Like it wasn't quite as amazing as it looked like it was at certain times. Um, it's just that when they got third and 27, they found a way to make a play against the Chiefs. You know what I mean? So. I think the Bengals inevitably suffer some kind of regression coupled with Baltimore bouncing back from all the injuries that probably tips the balance back in their direction. Yeah, I mean, I agree on the Bengals' regression probably overall results-wise. I mean, them as in, are they going to go back to the Super Bowl? Obviously, the odds are unlikely. Right. But I think I'm leaning Bengals here. There's been enough time for me to change my mind a million times here. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Ravens are slight favorites. When it comes to the division, plus 140 versus plus 170. Ravens over Bengals here. Slight favorites to win. I agree with all the reasons why the Ravens would be good. I think we always talk about how they're a good organization. They make good decisions. Uh, not that it matters directly, but you know we love what they did in the draft. Sometimes we overrate what a team did in the draft as far as how the, the immediate impact there. But I think the multiple years of solid drafting, shrewd moves, uh, letting players walk when they should walk, bringing players in when they should. Um, but my biggest question with Baltimore is, you know, we like to sit here and say, where, where are the playmakers? Where are my three receivers? Where are my four pass catchers? Where, where are the guys that are going to carry this team? I think we're going to learn more about that with the Ravens. How much does that matter? How much do the Ravens need that versus other teams because of how often the Ravens run the ball? Uh, is the league catching up to the Ravens' scheme and how they're not biting on play action and, and letting them and inviting the run just a little bit more against the Ravens and not opening up those passes that, that, that were open in 2019? You know, remember, remember you kept asking the question, what if they had a Julio Jones? What if they had one of those, those big wide receiver ones? They've moved the other way, theoretically, as far as pass catchers go. Rashad Bateman, some other question marks at receiver. You have Mark Andrews, who's a star, but... Is Isaiah likely truly going to be that next? Is he the number three option? Is he the third pass catcher in that group? So some of those question marks, I think, are going to be you know tough for the for the Ravens there. I love their secondary again on paper, as long as they all stay healthy. Marcus Peters and uh, Marlon Humphrey and Kyle Fuller's in there. I mean, across the board, uh, they bring in Marcus Williams to play free safety. That could be one of the best secondaries in the league. We said that last year, but they all got hurt, or a bunch of them got hurt. So... Um, I mean, they were trotting out practice squad corners against the Packers last year and still almost pulled it off. So it's going to be good and competitive. I'll take the Bengals to win the AFC North because of the reasons you said. Revamped offensive line. I like some of the defensive pieces they added, like a Dax Hill, and just the way they play defense down the stretch in Cincinnati. Steelers and Browns, I don't think 
either of us believe they're going to win the division. The Browns would be in this discussion, I think, though. Yeah. If Watson was around. 11 games of Jacoby, I don't think that's really going to fly. Though I do think that Brissett within this offense, I think, or, or the other way around, I think this offense is unusually qualified to prop up Jacoby Brissett in a way most offenses in the NFL aren't. You know, they are well positioned to be able to run the ball heavily, to be able to take it out of his hands, to be able to minimize what they're actually asking him to do, to really, like, set the stage for a true game-managing quarterback, which is what Brissett is at this point. Yeah, Um, He's a game-managing quarterback whose negatives tend to skew on the scale of sort of paralysis in the pocket and taking a giant sack on third and ten, you know, those kinds of things. Um, He's one of those guys on that spectrum of limiting turnover-worthy plays in lieu of sacks, basically, yeah. in lieu of the negative plays getting tackled behind the line of scrimmage. Right. It's called a sack. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Uh, on a passing play. On a passing know, play. Not on a, yeah, yeah. Not on a run play. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this, this offense, I think, could actually help Jacoby Brissett look reasonably good. But even so, 11 games of that is just not enough. Um, so I think the Browns probably end up just too far behind after those 11 games. There's also, I mean, who knows? preseason again meaningless in certain areas but Deshaun Watson did look rusty when he when we saw him briefly in preseason if he comes back after the 11 games and it takes him one or two games to get up to speed it's already you know it may already be too late so even if he comes back and he's amazing if it takes him two games to get there it's probably the division's gone at that point for the for the Browns I mean that's the thing that there's not a whole lot of quarterback suspensions to discuss that's a phenomenal reference in the chat Jacoby arrogant dream says Jacoby the Wilhelm scream Brissett I've told you what that is you remember what that yeah, is I don't remember offhand it's that random scream that exists in like oh, almost yeah, yeah. all movies in the world that they yeah, recorded yeah, yeah. sometime way back the in the day and just put in like every time that's good that is good arrogant yeah. dream um <clears throat> we don't have a whole lot of quarterback suspensions but remember, like when a player is suspended, they are not allowed into the building. Mm. They are, they can't practice. They can't do anything. And of all the positions, like if you're a defensive end, it's like, yeah, man, just stay, in, just stay in football shape. Just do your running. You know, simulate some games. Ironically, this suspension is pushing Deshaun Watson into the arms of uh, private, non-team related people that are, he's going to have to work with to stay in football shape. Yeah, don't go there. Nobody thought of that out. Don't go there. Maybe they should make an exception. You know, you get like solitary confinement You're at the stadium but it has or to be, something. Yeah, in the basement of the team facility. Anyway, when when a non-quarterback does that, it's like, all right, you know, just be in shape, be in running shape, football type of shape as much as possible. But a quarterback, we know how important chemistry is in timing and in chemistry with your pass catchers, game speed and feel in the pocket and all that stuff. 11-game suspension is a challenging one to come back from and actually you know, have a connection with Amari Cooper who he's never played with or whoever it might be. So um, expectations probably should be low for when he comes back. So even if the Browns are whatever they are, you know, 8-2 or something like that, what's Watson going to be able to do when he comes back without playing? So It's an interesting schedule for them because the first six games, remember it was originally a six-game suspension, the first six are actually quite winnable. And there is... And they might be sitting there at five and one being like, yeah, yeah. people are going to be like, Jacoby Brissett is the man or, you know, 
who needs Watson? Or somebody's going to say, you know, when Watson comes back, now we're a Super Bowl team. Yes. Then after those first six games, it starts to get pretty rough because then all of a sudden you have the Steelers, you have the Chargers, the Patriots, the Ravens, the Bengals, the Dolphins, the Bills, the Bucks. You know, it's, it, gets, it gets pretty ugly after those first six. All right, give me the Bengals. You're taking the Ravens in the AFC North. If you yeah. haven't heard by now, Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest place to play fantasy football this summer and guess what we're into september it's almost the fall so you're running out of time here but we've all been there in fantasy football leagues it's sunday morning you're digging through the news reports trying to figure out whether to start your stud receiver that tweaked his hamstring last week or you have a player on your team who hasn't been getting into the end zone and then one week he suddenly goes off for 30 points on your bench with underdogs underdog fantasy all the stress of who to start each week is lifted off your shoulders because it's best ball format draft your team before the season starts and get the best score each week doesn't matter if you start them or sit them. You're just getting the best score. So right now, you can draft an underdog's Best Ball Mania 3 tournament to take your shot at $10 million in total prizes. Plus, underdog is going to double your first deposit up to $100 when you sign up with the promo code PFF. Also, if you play 10 of those dollars using promo code PFF, you get a free PFF subscription. Underdog drafts close just before the NFL kickoff. So what are you waiting for? It has to happen this week. Head to underdogfantasy.com or the App Store. Play $10 with code PFF. And draft your best ball mania team today. AFC South, Sam, defending champs of the Tennessee Titans. Um, I make this statement pretty often. There's probably 25 teams, maybe more, in the NFL who feel pretty good about their offseason, right? They, they added players. They added pieces. They don't have a ton of health issues going into the year. Uh, the defending AFC South champions and the defending number one seed in the AFC, Tennessee Titans, they don't have that, I don't think. Defending is the defending number one seed a thing? Yeah, it is now. I just, uh, okay, I just declared it a thing. Uh, you did. The Tennessee Titans do not have all the feels heading into the season. No, without an AJ Brown, without a direct replacement for AJ Brown, and without any pass rushers, and now Bud Dupree. I'm sorry, uh, Harold Landry. Yeah, out for the season. No, a healthy Bud Dupree in, is included in the not having any pass rushers thing. It is, yeah. baby. No, it is. Bad Dupree. So not feeling great coming out of Tennessee. All that said, on paper, nothing should have felt great last year. They played all the players. They yeah. played a bunch of backups, and they still snuck through this deep AFC. The Colts, they were close. They had a really good offense for most of the season. They're in a dome. Colts have a lot of good, solid players, and now you're going to go from Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan. My timeline's getting blown up by some Carson Wentz truthers I, I, I was ignoring it but hmm. I don't know there were some people saying maybe the upgrade isn't that big from Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan at this point in Matt Ryan's career so who's going to win the AFC South there's a few teams that I find very difficult to get a handle on over any extended period of time and Tennessee are one of them um, I think Pittsburgh is also one of them they haven't made sense for a lot of time um, the Atlanta Falcons rarely make any sense you know like last season winning seven games despite being awful and then themselves understanding that and pressing the reset button in the offseason um i seem to be in a constant shell game with washington every time i think they're going to be good they stink every time i think they're going to stink they're good um so maybe pick eight and nine this year. yeah but tennessee are one of those teams where you look at them and it's a lot of things not going their way and the harold landry thing is obviously outside of their control in terms of uh, that's just really unlucky. You pay the guy a ton of money, whether or not you think that was a smart idea to then have him go down and lose his uh, ACL, right? That was his injury. Um, 
that's that's just really unfortunate. So if you're interested in what's happening there, we did do an entire daily on what that means for the Titans and everything. So. Yeah. Um, but so you look at the the overall uh, feeling about them is is pretty negative, especially relative to the Colts who upgraded a quarterback and in theory are going in the other direction. But Tennessee shouldn't have been as good as they were last year. And they, they were. Not only were they that good, but they were the number one seed. And, okay, they didn't, you know, make it through the playoffs, but they were a good team last season despite a lot of reasons that they shouldn't have been. And the most obvious explanation for that is Mike Vrabel, who seems to have that Mike Tomlin ability of just coaching, of just getting guys that play for him to play better and improving the sum of the parts that he has available to him. So when you consider that, if that is a genuine thing and a real factor here, the Titans aren't bad. There's a lot of pieces there that if you enhance them, if you, you're working on 110% of what he has available to him, that changes things a little bit. So I still kind of agree with the general consensus that the Colts have become the favorite in that division, but I don't like the fact that it's skewing more in that direction as time goes on. I still think it's pretty close to a 50-50 thing. I'm just leaning Indianapolis. Yeah, that's where I am. You know, if even if all season last year, if we had to redo our predictions on the Titans, and look, I, I think it came back to bite in the playoff game against the Cincinnati Bengals, right? I mean, they just didn't look, they didn't look like a number one seed at home against the Bengals. Credit the Titans, credit what they did last year. I think, I can't remember if I voted, voted, I mean, picked, Mike Vrabel as coach of the year. I probably did. You should have run with that. Just I get a pretended vote? like you had a, you know. I got one of the 50 votes. Yeah. Look, I've seen some of the people on the list. They're overhauling it now. Are they? Yeah. Somebody reached out and was wanted to talk. Not to get us, you know, a vote or anything, but just to like, hey. How would we not? I mean, we are a top five NFL podcast. Tell us the many ways. Internationally. Tell us the many ways we're bad at this and we'll try and, you know, we're trying to fix it. We should lobby to have a vote as the PFF NFL podcast. Not as you or me. But I mean, look, the PFF there's, podcast. there is absolutely an argument that says, hey, quite a lot of these voters, based off the lists, appear to be sort of legacy votes from, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, and this is a brave new world, you know? This is new media. It isn't just... Because, you know, a lot of these guys are old, traditional newspaper, you know, newspaper Rest institutions. In I mean, now it's all digital media. It's all, it is podcasts, people like us... Uh, the ringer, you know, that that's who's covering the NFL nowadays. Yeah. It's not some dude that, who's that, more qualified than us. I mean, you're just asking, me. we're just asking questions here. Just ask who's more qualified than us. And I do know. That I ask you, AP. certainly the guy that reached out listens to the podcast. Oh, so, how about you know, that? You, you make your pitch to camera. You, you hit him. Hit him. I declare here, 2022, we should be getting an AP vote. <laughs> give me a look. Give me an MVP vote and the whole thing. Us. Us. And me. I mean, it's me stuff. No, no, no. This is my time to shine. I just threw you to the side. I said, give me one. We should I both get that. one. We should both yeah. get one. Well, we, I, I would share a vote with you. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, in an ideal world, we each have our own. But I would How would willing. we do that? Would we put our own little ballots in and then... Uh, well, I think what would actually happen is, is, yeah, we would... We'd, Tyler would be the tiebreaker. We'd use our podcast document. You know, we'd each put our vote in. Yeah. And then we'd argue about it. And the way this usually goes is you would you would just collapse weekly and we would go with no oh, no 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 not this year i'm a new man sam i'm gonna push back against your nonsense yeah yeah yeah. Uh -huh. it's a new year's resolution new year's uh, football season resolution here 
Not letting you stop all over me this year, man. Okay. That's why I want the vote. Give me the vote. I'm not sharing it with you. All right. Anyway, I think we could be uh, voting for people. But my vote last year, I think, would have gone to Mike Vrabel. Unless somebody fact-checks me on it. Maybe I said, but said Matt LaFleur. <laughs> I don't remember. Hey, but my, Vrabel deserved it last yeah. year, and I'm in that boat. My only point is, the guy that hasn't written a football article since, like, 2012, we can, we can have his vote. We can definitely have his vote. I you feel know? like... I feel like we might make the process a little bit better. Is somebody, has anybody checked if he's actually, is he still voting? I guess they have 50 votes every year, so he must be. He can't find time to write about anything, yeah. but he can find time to put in his ballot. The good news is they're, they're at least receiving all 50 votes. And if they're not, they're just kind of like, yeah, throw it to the majority guy. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe he becomes like, you know, the consensus vote. Yeah. Just, it, this one didn't come in, so let's just average We the haven't rest tracked of- down Johnny in seven years. Let's just... <laughs> You know, Aaron Rodgers for MVP. Nobody's even sure if he exists anymore, but he's on the ballot. Anyway, let's go. um, What are we talking about? I'm a big Mike Vrabel fan. I think he's always going to keep the Titans in contention. That said, I just think the AFC is too competitive right now. I'm going with the Colts. I'm going with the Colts to win the AFC South, and I don't know. I just don't like how much those odds are shifting towards the Colts. I think it's closer than any kind of significant gap between the two. Um, Jaguars, I think, could be that surprise team that just plays a lot better than they did last year. But what does that even look like? Playing a lot better than last year's seven or eight wins. So they're probably a year away, and the Texans at least a year away. Would you roll the dice on the Texans at plus 3,500? <laughs> Let me throw a buck in there. <laughs> throw a dollar. Davis Mills, giant leap forward, becomes a superstar. All right, we're taking, both taking the Colts and the AFC South. Let's go AFC West. This is where it gets it gets pretty hairy here. Kansas City Chiefs, Los Angeles Chargers, Denver Broncos, and Las Vegas Raiders. Arguably four of the top ten teams in the NFL. Man. And I'm uh, as I'm sensing a pattern here. My offseason hype and buzz is less QB driven and more wide receiver driven as I'm starting to believe in the Dolphins and starting to believe in the Raiders more. The two two of the teams who got those receivers. I I do believe the Raiders' offensive line is potentially going to be an issue. At the same time, they weren't good last year. Like yeah. They did trot. So, look, we sit here and analyze all of these position moves and all that stuff. At the same time, having a leaky right guard and right tackle or whatever, is it good? No. Is it manageable? Yeah, Like you could still survive. Well, there's also – it's an important point that it's not new, you know? Like, it's one, it's they one did thing. Them and the Bengals, by the way, really quick. The Raiders and the Bengals – survived poor pass blocking and in the Raiders case run blocking offensive lines last year to make the playoffs yeah and the and, longer you have to do that the yeah. harder it is et cetera, et cetera. but it, it is a pretty reasonable point that it's a bigger problem if you were expecting really high-end play and then you know two major injuries or something and all of a sudden you've got an absolute disaster on the right side that you weren't prepared for and is a completely new thing and it's just non-workable but the Raiders got through this with Alex Leatherwood last year giving up the most pressure in the NFL. This isn't a new thing. They're expecting to have a disaster of an offensive line on the right side. And if they get anything above that, it's like a bonus. So it's, it, you're right. It's definitely not good, but it's probably not as bad as it's being painted simply because they've dealt with it already. We usually don't. Oh, should we wait till the NFC East to announce the uh, practice squad addition that the Dallas Cowboys have made? Who did they make? Jason Peters. Oh. 
a man our age is on the practice squad for the Dallas Cowboys. Practice squad. Yeah, he's going to start on the practice squad and you know work his way up. Practice squads have changed over lineup. the years. We'll talk about um, that a little bit with the NFC East discussion that's here. That's a but smart move, though. Of course, uh, absolutely. You haven't asked the people to hammer the thumbs up button. I was just have, thinking that. We have 32 actually. of them. We have 32, and there should be 280 plus. <laughs> so if everybody could just uh, hammer that thumbs up button, that'd be great. Wow, just you like asking that lost a person. I'm at 33. No, I mean the watcher. Oh, we're losing people. Yeah, people just left the second you said. Oh. They just went, no, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Well, not, tell your friends to come watch us, too. Tell your friends and tell them to give us the thumbs up. We want to go viral here. We want everybody on YouTube to, to watch us. I think we're at least a top 5 to 10 NFL podcast. On the air right now, yeah. On the air right now, Absolutely. live. This is, uh-huh. I mean, good morning football's over. But next week, we're going to start going head-to-head with good morning football. I don't think they can hang. I don't know if they can hang. Okay. Well, they've got a new lineup now. It's a That's, whole new lineup. Yeah. You know, Kay's not okay. there anymore. They've been Nate's dealing off to Nate. figure and better things. Yeah. yeah, it's only half the original squad. It's only one of the McCourty, uh, the McCourty twins. Uh, Jamie Erdahl's in, and Jason McCourty yeah. is in. But only half the McCourty but, twins. You know. Yeah, That's I think they need it. both McCourty's. Absolutely. And Devin's not ready at yet. the same time. Yeah, Devin's still playing football. They had to change their uh, Twitter handle. Jason had to get his own Twitter handle. I know. Yeah. They were sharing a Twitter handle for a while. Very <laughs> twin-like. Oh, he struck me. It's a little weird, anyway. But okay. I'm joking about the podcast rankings, Chris Coombs. I'm just joking. All right. NFC West, who wins? I'm taking the Chiefs. Sticking with the Chiefs. Yeah, look, this is one where I would not be surprised if three of the four teams won this division. But I'm always going to stay with the Chiefs as my default position until I'm given a reason not to. They're still the favorites, plus 175. Chargers, plus 220. Broncos, plus 240. And for the sake of Raiders are plus six fifty, yeah, to win it, which I think feels about right. I yeah, that's very close odds for the first three, and then the Raiders would be the one that I would be surprised by. If I mean, it's it's basically ranked in order of how much faith you'd have in the quarterback, right? Mahomes, Herbert, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr. Now, all of that said, quarterback rankings are not this linear it's always going to be the case just one year ago we had justin herbert as a higher graded and more valuable quarterback than patrick mahomes the body of work of patrick mahomes over the last four years though is as good as we've seen for a player entering the league so he still gets the benefit of the doubt you don't just look at last year russell wilson last year did not grade as well as Derek carr was not as good as Derek carr who's you know picked to be fourth in the league in the division with the raiders However, the body of work when Russell Wilson is a better body of work than Derek Carr. So you play those odds and say, okay, Russell Wilson's going to be better than Carr. I mean, that's, that's, that's the starting point. But I guess my point is you just don't be surprised if in a given year, Carr's the number two graded quarterback in the division, whatever it might be. And I think because of Devontae Adams and their pass catchers, they might be set up to elevate Derek Carr to that you know, MVP stat type of season. I think Carr's going to be in the MVP race at some point. Not based off the schedule or anything. I haven't looked at the schedule or any of that stuff. I think he's going to put up big numbers, though. Yeah, I mean, I think he probably will. Like, you're right. It is, it's ranked essentially in order of how, you, how good you think those quarterbacks are, um, which is why I think there's a gap to Derek Carr, which is not to say that Derek Carr doesn't have a season like that within his range of outcomes. But even just in – I mean, look, it's a terrible way of measuring quarterbacks. The box score numbers we preach constantly. What a crappy measure that is. But – Last season, down year, quote-unquote, for Patrick Mahomes. Basically equated to the best season we've seen from Derek Carr. 
in terms of yards, touchdowns, interceptions, all those kinds of things. Obviously, there's more to it than that. But in very broad strokes, that's kind of the point that a good, like a really good Derek Carr year looks like the worst year from Patrick Mahomes. And maybe there's a crossover there where the, the best Derek Carr year is better than the worst Mahomes year, but that's kind of the battle he's fighting in that in most years, he's going to be the fourth best quarterback in that division. Now, he might be the fourth best quarterback in that division and still be like top 10 in the NFL. That's the nightmare of this division. Um, but I think I, I'm going to default back to the idea of until given a good reason not to, not to take this approach, if your starting point is Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, the end, you, you'll probably start as first place. Yeah, I'm st- I'm, I mean, I'm still believing in the Chiefs enough there. It, it, the small sample size in the preseason of them running more fullbacks out there and all that stuff. They went away from that, by the way, the further the preseason went in. Like, yeah, so very- I mean, I don't know what they're going to end up doing offensively other than they do have the quarterback – to distribute the ball and the big question here is going to be will this actually make Mahomes a better quarterback less less reliant on just two players more reliant on spreading the ball to this various receiving core or does a you know Juju who I predict to have the most receptions here would be the leading re- receiver does a Juju emerge as his next guy or Sky Moore whoever it might be um Chargers are pretty well placed with a lot of the splash moves that they've made and the Herbert strides that he made last year I, for me, the Broncos are going to be the odd team out. And I hate saying that after three years, basically, of saying, I love their squad. I love their team. Give them a quarterback. And Russell Wilson comes in. But Russell Wilson comes in at a time when the Chiefs are probably a step, a tick below where they've been. The Chargers are probably the best they've been in a while. And the rest of the AFC is just really, really strong, as we keep saying. So, yeah. I also don't know for the Broncos, Vic Fangio is a fantastic defensive coordinator recent history now not every defensive coordinator has this like 20 year track record there was some some bad years in there from Fangio defenses but he has an overall very good track record especially recently being the guy for you know a Bears team that he took from worst to first and uh uh, Broncos team that he that he got back on track defensively and you're losing that that's not insignificant I don't think there are you know Fangio was the head coach he had his fingerprints on the defense you lose that, even if he wasn't a great head coach, per se. So that's where I'm a little down on the Broncos, I think. And I got them probably missing. I got them, as of right now, I have them and the Raiders missing the playoffs. Oh, I don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah, I've I've done a little circle on the Denver Broncos since the, uh, the, the Russell Wilson trade and what it's going to mean for them. It's the Tim Patrick injury, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Uh, they... I. I do think that there is a concern and a thing to monitor of how good Russell Wilson is going to be. And we talked about that with Mike Renner on the show, Um, just where he's going to land in where he's been playing over the last several years. He's kind of been, there's quite a, a wide range of how good Russell Wilson has been over that period. And obviously there's been this whole let Russ cook thing, you know, Pete Carroll and his antiquated way of doing things in Seattle and he's holding Russell Wilson back and all this kind of thing. I do think that there is a reasonable um, possibility that Russell Wilson is a bigger part of that dynamic than people have been willing to acknowledge thus far. That actually quite a lot 
of the gap between Russell Wilson's best and, say, Patrick Mahomes' best or Aaron Rodgers' best or Josh Allen's best is actually because Russell Wilson plays the game in a certain style, which he's developed probably because he's a shorter quarterback, but is now inherent in him. That, that is just part of the bargain for Russell Wilson. And I think that that probably eliminates a certain percentage of maximum efficiency that he's, you're just never going to get from him. And it's always going to lead to people saying, you need to unleash him more, or you need to, you know, blaming other people because it doesn't look like it's his fault because he's doing what he does. He's running around. He's making incredible plays. He looks great. But it's the way he plays that sort of takes some of those plays off the table yeah. and skews the the efficiency a little bit. But I've come to sort of – so I thought initially, well, maybe actually this thing isn't going to be as good as we thought it was. But I think really that's the difference between, like, playoff team and Super Bowl contender. It's not the difference between, like, playoff team and not, even in this loaded AFC and loaded division. So I think ultimately, like, the difference between Teddy Bridgewater and Russell Wilson is a way more important variable here than the difference between good Russell Wilson and great Russell Wilson or great Russell Wilson and, you know, the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So they won seven games last year with a terrible quarterback situation. I'm going to say that adding Russell Wilson to that team, even factoring in what the Chargers did and what other teams did, they're going to be a playoff team. And then the only question is, can this Russell Wilson thing go to some insane heights, which would be the thing that turns them into like legit Super Bowl team? All right. So we're both taking the Chiefs in the AFC West. Uh, we'll get to our wild cards in a bit. We'll discuss that a little bit more. Let's Before we get into the NFC East, got to get ready for NFL Week 1 action right now with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. And now everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. You get up seven, you win. Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF to get $200 in free bets instantly. When you place a $5 bet on any football game, it's code PFF only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for terms and resources. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Of course, in Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee red line 1-800-889-9789. In New York, it's call 877-8467-369. One per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit and a wager. $200 issued as eight $25 free bets. Still a mouthful. Mm. They threw some big words there. Back I think to back. we could like couch it with, you know, Google it. You know, gambling problem. Google it. Now we're trying to trying to cover. I think that's cover that. DraftKings here. I mean, look, I'm no lawyer, but it feels like that would qualify. Oh, okay. I mean, you're basically a doctor. Yeah. I mean, look, I did a I did I did a legal diploma, so. Look at that. Pretty much a lawyer. All right, I'll say Google. If you've got a gambling problem, Google. <laughs> Google it. Google help. Google, I have a gambling problem, help. And I live in Tennessee. And they'll be like, Tennessee Red Line's going to pop, pop right up. All right, NFC East. The Cowboys have just signed Jason Peters. He won't be available for week one, but he's going to practice squad and work his way up. Smart. To play left tackle. Why do they sign Jason Peters? Because Tyron Smith got hurt, and they had a big hole at left tackle. No obvious replacement on the roster that they could trust at left tackle. So that'll help with the Cowboys. I mean, it's a contingency plan. They're going to play the rookie, Tyler Smith, at left tackle. 
but we're talking about a raw rookie left tackle who played exclusively. Who they wanted to play left guard. Yeah, who played exclusively guard in the preseason. So, sure, he might go in and be fine. On the other hand, if he isn't for two games, it would be very smart to have a contingency waiting to jump off the practice squad and jump into a game at left tackle. And Jason Peters is that guy. So... I mentioned the Titans with the uh, not-so-touchy-feely offseason. Not a lot of uh, exciting stuff for the Dallas Cowboys. More more big-name player losses than additions. The Eagles, the opposite. They add in A.J. Brown. They add in James Bradbury. Uh, they just traded for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. A lot of exciting stuff with the Eagles. Both teams made the playoffs. Cowboys won the division last year. Eagles kind of snuck in to the playoffs. The feels are trending to the Eagles, as is... The betting line. Where are the odds at the moment here? We have the Cowboys. Where are they? Plus 140 to win the division. And the Eagles plus 160. So we still have the Cowboys favorited. But Wasn't it tied the other day? It may have been. So we're just we're up to date as of right now. Yeah, I'm just curious why it would move the other way. Maybe it's the Jason Peters move. Maybe. So where are you going in the NFC East? I know where your heart's been this offseason. Yeah, Eagles. Um I've, I've thought that before, the Tyron Smith injury. Um, everything the Eagles have done this offseason essentially has been good, and you can't say the same thing for Dallas. Really, the only thing that would keep you on the Dallas side of this is the difference in confidence between Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts. But that's, that's exactly what I've been thinking the last couple of days when I think about this division. But even that, there's reason to think that, that, that those are heading in the opposite direction. So even if you think, okay, the starting point here is Dak up here, Jalen Hurts down here. Well, okay, but we've now lost Dak's, one of Dak's uh, number one receivers. He's down his number two receiver while he recovers from injury. So that's boom, boom. We're messing with his offensive line. Tyron Smith's out hurt, and we don't know if his left tackle is going to be any good. And then, by the way, we added A.J. Brown over here, which will make A.J. Brown you know, your number one target, which will probably make Devontae Smith better. <laughs> we got rid of Jalen Rager. The offensive line is great. You know, everything in Philadelphia is going, so you're probably moving. I mean, it doesn't take much, I think, to equalize the gap between those two guys. Look, I get it. I mean, I completely understand. I'm not feeling great about the Cowboys. What I'm trying to th- That was a great segment, by the way, for all the audio listeners. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've got my hands in two different places showing you where they're ranked. Yeah. Just uh, imagine that in your head. Mm-hmm. Uh, might be good for TikTok, though. <laughs> yeah, we might be able to, uh, to TikTok that. So... I remember the last couple off seasons where it felt like after 2020 in particular, the Packers made all the wrong moves. They drafted Jordan Love. They didn't get Aaron Rodgers enough help. And then he goes and – I mean, they the right move was motivating Aaron Rodgers with the yes. Jordan Love Angering pick. Him. Um, we were only half joking, but turns out that actually was a thing. But the Packers didn't make great, you know, tactical moves, I don't think, that offseason. Draft, free agency, and they ended up number one seed. Aaron Rodgers MVP. The Steelers have kind of done that a couple times. Um, And I don't think we were wrong in criticizing their moves necessarily. It was more that the Steelers and the Packers had a good enough foundation that the the moves along the edges weren't going to crush them. Now, they may have hurt Super Bowl chances for the Packers or the Steelers where once the Steelers got into the playoffs, they didn't have a chance. But they were still a playoff caliber team. So I wonder about that with the Cowboys. I wonder if the foundation is still strong enough because you have Dak, you have a Micah Parsons on the other side. I think Trayvon Diggs will play better football even if he doesn't have 11 interceptions. I think the Cowboys' foundation is still good enough 
that even with the various losses, uh, Connor Williams and Tyron Smith now hurt. Um, Connor Williams leaving as left guard. Lyle Collins leaving. Randy Gregory leaving. Amari Cooper leaving. Okay, I'm saying it out loud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think the foundation is still good enough in part because Dak in the passing game will be good. Look, I'm not – I'm concerned. I'm concerned about the way the Cowboys are trending. I'm still going to pick them to win the division, though. I'm going to take Dallas to win the division and the Eagles to be right there behind them as a wild card. Okay. It's fine. It's close. The betting market doesn't say you're crazy. Yeah. But when you articulate it out loud, it kind of does. Yeah, it's just it's football, you know, and you can't, you can't just go like move by move all the time and be like, oh, here's the reason. So I do love – look, I love all the moves that the Eagles are making. And it's not – when we – I say this all the time. When we analyze moves, part of it is how do they get James Bradbury? They, they're getting him for pennies on the dollar. These are these strategic moves that front officers are making both for short and long term. The Eagles are making more of those, right? They're trending in a better direction. It doesn't mean that they immediately overtake the Cowboys because no. of those. I mean, look, there were, there were three games between the two teams last year. The, I mean, obviously, again, this, is, this isn't the way it works. But would you say that the sum of the offseason moves, with Dallas is generally making them worse and Philadelphia is generally making them better, has that sum bridged a three-game difference between the two teams? I would yeah. say it has. Yeah, I mean, you're really bridging a one-and-a-half game difference, right? But Yeah, yeah but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, has it, has oh, no, it bridged it's, three games it's close enough. as a combination? Yeah, um, I think we could see it like an 11-win Cowboys and 10-win Eagles or 10-9 and nine or whatever it is. And that's without factoring in the biggest the biggest potential impact which is what it did to philadelphia's quarterback and what it did to dallas's quarterback because honestly i think that's what it really comes down to is the the moves themselves are great but all of philadelphia has probably made jalen hurts a better player and all of dallas has probably made dallas or Dak prescott a worse player and i don't as much as as much as it's a reasonably significant difference between the two guys it's not that big and if you start if you approach that from either end attack that from either end (coughs) <coughs> Excuse me. I had that thing that you had where you, the thing in the throat was just... Just um, choking? Yeah, yeah. Just randomly. Just let me know. You just, we just, you just give me a signal and I'll talk and you choke. Well, the signal will be me choking. So okay, perfect. Just, when that happens... That's usually the signal I give you. Yeah. <laughs> when that happens, if you could just jump in and you know take over. Yeah. Anyway, I, I think the difference or the impact that each franchise made on their quarterback this offseason could be enough to bridge the gap, let alone the impact that the individual players who have come in can have as well. Yeah, look, I, look, I buy into all the Eagles' analysis. I love everything that they've done. I love everything that they're doing. Uh, all I'm saying is don't forget the foundation. Don't forget the baseline of what the Cowboys have, which is still good, um, even though I think both teams are trending in the wrong direction. So for, the, for right now, I'm taking the Cowboys. I think the Eagles make the playoffs in a, in a close, hard-fought battle in the division. I think the Giants – look, it, the Giants are rebuilding. The Commanders could be good. You know, they, they could be good there um, because they're two years removed from having a decent roster and, you know, Taylor Heineke just kind of fell apart last year. Wentz should be an upgrade over that. The Commanders should be competitive, but I don't think enough in the East here. So there we go. I'll take the Cowboys. You take the Eagles. NFC North, can anybody dethrone the Packers here? No. So similar idea, right? Not the not the best feeling off season. Maybe Romeo Dobbs becomes a, a stud and and lives up to the hype, but you're still looking at this receiving core that doesn't feel like it's ready to uh, 
you know, be competitive enough for Aaron Rodgers to to have this last Super Bowl, but it's offset by the fact that the Packers' defense looks really good and among the best in the league. Yeah, I think any concerns you have about Green Bay's receiving core, which I still think are significant and there, that's that's the concern that stops them winning a Super Bowl, not the concern that stops them winning the division. Like Green Bay can roll out there with five completely non-viable random bodies from the street at wide receiver and still win the division. It's just that they then can't go and beat, you know, they can't go on a run and knock off the Bucks, the Rams, like whoever the teams are going to face in the playoffs consecutively are with that group. But they can get past the Bears, Lions, and Vikings. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> they could definitely do that. I think the Vikings, the Vikings are kind of trending right now as far as uh, I think expectations go. And if you do look at the Vikings season last year with some of the some of the close losses and the, the heartbreaking losses, they should be in better position this year to maybe reverse that a little bit. It is great we get to see the Vikings-Packers week one and um, you know see them match up right off the bat. But yeah, I, I agree. The Packers absolutely the favorite in the division. You know The storyline here, of course, is this Rodgers last season? Is this his last run? Every year it's going to be this. Is this the last run with the Packers mm. for Aaron Rodgers? And um, is this the best defense that they've had? since 2010 but the Vikings are going to be a fascinating team with uh, Kirk Cousins who throws the ball pretty well among quarterbacks around the NFL got some playmakers there you got Kevin O'Connell bringing the Rams scheme I don't know that I've ever heard a more more succinct and yet more perfect description for Kirk Cousins yeah it should just be that's all the analysis you need on Kirk Cousins Kirk Cousins colon throws the ball pretty well Period. The end. That's, Throws the ball well. That's the final word written on Kirk Cousins from here until eternity. Sums him up. Uh, Kirkanon came after me too. Kirkanon. Yeah. That's like anybody that anybody that's a fan, you just throw a non at the end of it, and it's like yeah, that works. Okay. Just saying they've been on the Twitter timeline, which in my old age I'm doing a better job of ignoring. <laughs> you know. Usually it goes the other way. You know, the more the old age, that's where people start to skew into the the conspiracy no, theories, the crazies. I th- no, it's not conspiracy theories. It's just uh, it's responding to uh, attacks and various things like that. And then I think as you get really old, once you get up to like Gil Brandt's age, then you start poking back again. Like now I don't care anymore. Now I'm just like, but at that yell, point, gonna yell back at you. But at that point, you can barely see the screen in your phone. You need the you need the phones with those giant buttons on. Well, them. Someone else might be helping. Gil. That's true. Yeah. But um, well, and you you got to make it big enough so that you have a personal assistant that can fire back in your your behalf yes there you go i'm just getting better i'm just getting better at uh ignoring the noise so i think the vikings are going to be good the packers are going to win the division the lions are gonna trend in the right direction and will the bears i don't know i don't know what's going to happen in chicago there was some uh (laughs) it's really interesting because there was the first two weeks of training camp there was like no buzz coming out of chicago it was like man this offense can't do a thing and the preseason made you feel a little bit better, right? Kind of shows the ebbs, the ebbs and flows of a football season, man. That happens in like the real season, right? Four games, team feels one way. The next four, something changes. That's why you can't overreact to all of this stuff. But I don't think the Bears are equipped to compete this year. How's that? They're rebuilding as well. Reasonable. Um, our our uh, friend of the show, Ross Tucker, had a great, great tweet about Jason Peters and the practice squad. The last time Peters was on the practice squad was 2004, and he was a tight end. That is good. That is good. <laughs> the wow. last time is most of the league wasn't playing. You know, the last time he was on the practice squad, and he was he was a tight end. 
300 whatever pounds. What were you doing in uh, 2004? Not much. Graduating. Finished college at that point. College. University even. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was my, uh, that was my senior year. Yours too, right? Yeah. I might have been. College. No, I wouldn't have been. Yeah, not much at that point, I don't think. The road trip would have been later that year. Just saying, Jason Peters like was like a year older than us. You know, he got out of college a year before us and joined the practice squad while we were graduating college yeah. back in '04. No big deal. Now he's back on the practice squad. So we're both taking the Packers NFC North. Not much else. We'll talk about the wild cards and see if the Vikings make your list when we get there. Mm-hmm. NFC South taking the Bucks. Yes. Now the. Saints could be competitive mm-hmm. as far as that division goes. We know they're going to play in week two. Saints have owned the Bucs in the regular season, both in the Tom Brady era and before it. Will the Saints, Have the Saints done enough to compete in that division? You know, they revamped their, some of their defensive personnel, but they're still solid there. They're still really good in the secondary. I, do, I know Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. It wasn't like he was an, an incre- incredible from a grading standpoint for us, but I do kind of like that attitude that he brought there with the Saints. Yeah. I mean, look, there's something to being a troll on the field. I mean, it's not, it's not without merit. The, the fact that he's been able to get multiple players to punch him with a helmet on speaks to how much he's able to get in people's heads and screw up their thought process during the course of games. Feels like no. a good eagle. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, that's the most extreme manifestation of that frustration is they actually take a swing at a guy with a helmet on. But if you think about the lead-up to that moment, there's quite a large, there's quite a long way between sort of normal, perfectly calm headspace and swinging for a dude with a helmet on that a lot of that isn't good from your perspective as an offensive player. So if he's able to consistently drive people that insane – that's a useful trait to have in addition to being able to read the game and, you know, cover multiple spots and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think the Saints have one of the best rosters in the NFL. But they have Jameis Winston at quarterback, and they don't have Sean Payton at head coach anymore. Did you just butt Jameis Winston? Yes. Hmm. And look, I— I would have, I would have anded. And they have Jameis Winston. No. See, I, I think that the narrative on Jameis went a little bit crazy— like, he's not useless, you know, just because, okay, the Bucks got tired of it and went, look, this isn't going to work out. He's never going to become this great quarterback. We're going to go in a different direction. And, oh, look, Tom Brady's available. Yoink. Like, that made sense. But from that point on, people started acting like, oh, this dude is like a complete waste of space. He doesn't belong in the NFL. Like, if you have him as your starting quarterback, game over. Like, he, he is one of the – He's one of the top 32 quarterbacks in the NFL. And actually, he's probably quite high on that list. Like, he isn't – he's not 30 out of 32. He's probably, like, 17 out of 32, um, which is not a bad place to be, but it's in that quarterback purgatory world of it doesn't actually do you that much good, you know? And even with a roster as good as New Orleans, it probably doesn't do you enough and take you far enough. Now, if you had Sean Payton as the head coach – maybe you're getting there, but they don't. They got rid of him, or he got rid of himself. So now it's just Jameis. The Jameis narrative also went the other way. What do you have, 14 touchdowns and three picks last year? So it's like, see, we we found that Jameis can take care of the ball. Yeah. But 
at the same time, the sample is just so small. I'm sure you could find a 14 touchdown, well, maybe not 14 to 3 touchdown to interception ratio in his career. If you could find any stretch where he had three interceptions. Well, there was, what, a five-touchdown game in week one. There was a four-touchdown game in there, too, I believe. I don't have the stats in front of me. But either way, um, it was kind of like a weird game manager-y start to Jameis's career with the Saints. But to your point, Sean Payton was still there. And to my point, he also threw both an interception and a, and a touchdown while falling backwards and almost horizontal to the ground, yes. which is awesome. You know, good for Jameis. I'm excited that that's back in our Yeah, lives. I'm just excited. I'm just excited for that stuff. You know, I want to see more of that. I just want to see more of, you know, horizontal throws up into the air. And if my guy catches it, great. And so he's 50% on those throws last year. Um, so, yeah, I think the, the Saints, if they get the good Jameis, because they do have a pretty solid roster and they've done a nice job. I think I think they've done a nice job with Michael Thomas coming back and Chris Olave. Add in playmakers, man. Jarvis Landry. They've got people to throw to better on paper at least better than they've been in quite a while. And um, so there could be some good stuff coming out of New Orleans. I think they're gonna play tough defense. Um, they'll be competing for a wild card. I don't know. It's gonna be close. I think they're competing for a wild card. They're probably causing the Bucs some issues. Um, there's a point. The Bucks start the season with the Cowboys, Saints, Packers, and Chiefs. You know, so we could be sitting here in week four saying the Bucs are like one and three. They could be Bucks one and three. Stink. Or it's two over. and two, Tom right? Tom Brady's done. Oh, there's going to be the Tom Brady's cooked stories. You know, he'll have, you know, a rough game in one of those. There are a couple of those. They're two and two. And uh, Tom Brady's cooked. He's 45. It's going to happen in part because of the schedule. But overall, I think the Bucks' schedule is more difficult than it's been the last two years. Yeah. And that could open the door for the Saints here. It could. And, and That's, by the way, really quick. The underrated aspect of the 17-game schedule is that you're playing an extra game against whatever level team you were last year. Right? So the reason the, – the Rams and the Bills, I'm, I'm, I believe. I don't think the Rams are playing the AFC East this year. They did that a couple of years ago. The Rams are – they're just the, – they, this is the crossover game. This is like game 17. The reason why we're getting Rams-Bills this, this week – Week one, yeah. Is because of that week 17 the, – the, the 17th game edition. These teams played two years ago. They wouldn't be playing again. So for the Bills, right, it's like, hey, congratulations, 17th game schedule. You get to play the defending champion Rams. And for the Rams, it's like, hey, you get to pick the – play the Super Bowl uh, favorite, the Bills. Uh, that is the underrated aspect of this. So the Packers, the Bucks, like all these division winners are going to play these other division winners in that extra game. And that's part of the reason why the NFL has had this apparent parity over the last you know, few years is the way they – or 20-plus years is the way they, they schedule things. And now it's even more extreme in favor of lesser teams and against some of the better teams. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, yeah. Um... I think it's going to be harder for Tampa Bay this year, but I still think that the advantage they start with, which is they have Tom Brady, a quarterback, not Jameis Winston, is the most important thing by far. And yeah, maybe, the, I mean, you look at positions two through 53, are the Saints a better team than the Bucks? Probably. Like overall, but one is such a large gap between the two that it offsets all of that and then some. Yeah, unless so, he does, you know, drop off or whatever it might yeah, be. Yeah, which I'm way past done predicting at this point. Tom Brady is going to play well. Now, the, where it gets potentially tricky is for the first time, it's not a perfect situation around him. The offensive line has been creaking because of injuries so far. We've lost um, Ryan Jensen already. 
Robert Haynes, he keeps threatening to go down for an extended period of time and then getting back up, and actually it's not a big problem. It's okay. But even with, like, we don't know what Robert Haynes is going to play like yet. The left guard is a rookie, Luke Hideki. That combination, okay, if one of those guys is a problem, we can work around it. If they're both a problem, all of a sudden that, that offensive line starts to look an awful lot less healthy. Now, look, I think Brady is – probably this year the best quarterback in the NFL in terms of protecting an offensive line he last season got the ball out of his hands faster than everybody else except Ben Roethlisberger who essentially was a human jugs machine back there for the Pittsburgh Steelers okay Brady's not going to run around but he's very good still at moving within the pocket you know sliding out of the way of pressure those kinds of things and even though the Bucks take deep shots a lot Brady gets those passes out of his hands quickly when you look at the the deep shots that Brady is taking, they are typically identifying when it's single coverage, putting the ball in the air early, and just letting the receiver do the work. They're kind of like the Chad Pennington, the school of deep ball throwing, which is just identify the winning matchup and then put the ball in the air as fast as humanly possible, and then it doesn't matter that you can only pitch it 42 yards downfield. Brady's kind of doing that now for different reasons, not because he doesn't have the arm to get it down there, but because... The quicker you can get the ball in the air, the less of a chance it's going to be a problem for the offensive line. Right. So even if those interior two guys, the new guys, um, are the two question marks, I think we fairly, we're fairly confident that Shaq Mason at right guard will be good because he always has been, even in a new environment. So if those two new question marks become a problem, it's still a smaller problem for Tampa Bay than it would be for, I think, any other team in the NFL. But it would be a new problem that Tom Brady hasn't been yeah. dealing with the last couple of years. And I think in, at his age, kind of like the way Phillip Rivers, the later in his career he got, the bigger he uh, – the, or the more he needed the offensive line to be good. I think that's probably true for Tom Brady. And it's just something you don't want to screw because, around with. Because the goal isn't just make the playoffs. The goal is the Super Bowl. And, yeah. we're, and we're nitpicking teams like the Packers and the Bucs and the Chiefs because – They've been either to the Super Bowl or close or number one seeds or whatever it is, and, and you're trying to say, how are you going to win it all, right? And that's why you nitpick this thing. And I think the Bucs season might just look a little different, where last year it was like, everybody's back, feeling great about ourselves. This year, you've got no Gronk. You have Chris Godwin coming off of injury. Russell Gage has been banged up. Julio Jones is in, but what is he? It might be that old-school Patriots-like type of thing, where it's like you just kind of find yourself for the first eight to ten weeks of the season, and then... Hope you finish strong. I think that's what the Bucks tried to build from a from a team standpoint. And it might take some time for the offensive line to gel and some of the veterans to uh, figure out their roles on that offense. Uh, but we're both taking the Bucks to win the NFC South. I think the Saints will be second. Panthers and Falcons. I mean, the Panthers could make that run, right? But yeah, we'll see. Hey, mm. we've been talking ourselves into the Panthers and Baker Mayfield. All right, let's go NFC West. Do the Rams repeat as champs, at least in the division? Yeah, probably. The division, specifically. Yeah. Um, yes. I think they're the best team, the best combination, the best coach plus quarterback. They have the most going for them, I think. They're kind of like – it's a little bit like the Kansas City Chiefs where they're starting from the best foundation point. Now, okay, there's there's absolutely crossover, I think, between you know their worst season and the best season from the 49ers or the Cardinals – but I think in the in most outcomes, the Rams are the best team in this division. The 49ers feel like the the big wild card here. 
Well, they're the team that's had I. They've had so much offseason hype for a team that has a question mark at quarterback. It's kind of confusing. I mean, I understand. But you it, could see why. Yeah. They would feel good about things. Sure, but it's not them. It's it's they've gotten a ton of sort of betting hype. They've gotten a ton of analysis hype. Like the the kind of exact opposite of the Cardinals, where the, the offseason feeling is always misery. Um, everybody's been talking up the 49ers as a team that's going to go to the, you know, the like, can they, well, Trey Lance is in now, so they're back to the Super Bowl. It's like, well, whoa, maybe let's dial that back a little bit. Um, it's the, But it's for the same reasons that we've talked about, right? It's giving Kyle Shanahan a running quarterback. It's opening up big plays that the offense hasn't had, at least through the pad, through the air. Um, it's knowing that you know Brandon Ayuk is tearing up camp, and oh, by the way, he's the third option behind Debo Samuel and George Kittle. Um, to me, it's the defensive hype, which I think is a little bit. The, the Niners had the lowest EPA per play on ten plus yard passes last year. They were not a very, they were not a great defense. They were barely a good defense for much of the season. They just kind of they had some games where they played well against Dallas in the playoffs. They had these other games where they played pretty well, but I'm not ready to put the Niners. Even though I think they've improved defensively, I'm not ready to say, hey, that's a top five defense, lock it in. I'm more saying on the offensive side of the ball, I think Jimmy Garoppolo has been good. He's been a good 49ers quarterback, and they have a they've increased their volatility with Trey Lance at quarterback to the that they're high end. They've raised their ceiling, basically, yeah. with Trey Lance. And I think people are betting and predicting on the ceiling and what they envision Trey Lance can become here. Yeah, I'm not saying it, it TikTok doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I'm just saying that they're in a division with the Rams and the Cardinals. You know, it, it's not like it's – it hasn't automatically jumped them above the Rams or even propelled them into that echelon, I don't think. I understand they were a playoff team last year, and, you know, this is it's a good starting point. But anytime you put a giant question mark over the most important position on the field, that has to at least – give you pause for concern. I think that's the issue with the 49ers. Yeah, the defense will be a question mark as well, but it really all boils down to what this Trey Lance thing is going to look like. And I think you have to read some kind of negativity into the way they've handled the quarterback position this offseason, which is there wasn't a, an unquestioned wave of praise for Jimmy Garoppolo, or, or not Jim, for Trey Lance early in the offseason. It took them a while to kind of get into that groove and then start saying, yeah, he's going to be amazing and and then they couldn't get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay, he had surgery. It screwed that whole thing up. They didn't. They ended up not getting rid of him. They ended up re-signing him to a reworked deal, a As backup I quarterback deal. As I said, that was right. the right move. Exactly. So you said that's the right move. I think there's a few things. I think it is the right football move. If you eliminate all emotions or human element from it, it's just the right. You know, you're, you're a better backup quarterback with Jimmy Garoppolo there. Be a robot. You, don't have it. you know, like. Who's better, Jimmy Garoppolo or Brock Purdy? That's essentially the question if for the football move type of thing, right? So they've definitely got better at backup quarterback. But number one, I don't think it can say good things about your starting quarterback if you've the guy that you were assumed to get rid of all offseason all of a sudden stays as a backup gig. I don't think that that says good things about Trey Lance. Number two, it also adds in all of those potential human element problems, which is does Trey Lance look over his shoulder? Does the locker room start to wonder why we're not starting the guy that's proven to be pretty good if Trey Lance struggles for a couple of games? I, there's a number of ways that that could go south 
in a, you know uh, to counter the benefit of having a good a good backup quarterback. The first one, I don't think they're bringing Jimmy Garoppolo back because they have Trey Lance concerns. I think it's a, I think that was a market issue. I really think it was a market issue. And if the rumors were true that there was two twos on the table early off season for Garoppolo and they were waiting for something better, maybe that was the tactical error by the Niners and that they should have taken that if that was true. Um, Football-wise, yeah, I agree that's the right move. I, it's going to be fascinating because I know you don't always want to judge the starting quarterback by what their backups do. And but don't you think – you know the way that the Bills always had 100% confidence in Josh Allen? Even when Josh Allen was playing like crap as a rookie, the Bills were like bought in. They believed it. They thought he was going to be amazing, and they ultimately ended up being proved right. If the 49ers thought that about Trey Lance right now, I don't think Trey. I don't think Garoppolo would still be on the roster. I don't know, man. I I think they were just trying to make the right football move, as in what? How do we maximize Jimmy G's value? And if we can't maximize it, it's a better football move to have him as our backup. And that they're and I, look, I know that there's the human LMA, Trey Lance looking over his shoulder and stuff like that. I'm, I'm not saying I wouldn't consider that. I would say. I would outweigh the benefit of having Jimmy G on the roster over like, oh, Trey's going to feel bad. Because once yeah. again, if I have a quarterback who feels bad because there's a good backup, we've got bigger issues. Yeah, but here, so here's my – because people make that argument all the time, you know, not just you, but other people. It's like, well, if he can't handle the pressure Smart of having people. a quarterback behind him, then he's never going to be the yeah. guy. But do you need to put undue pressure on him? Do you, exactly. I know there's the like, locker room aspect. I get it. The, the point is it's always a razor edge whether these guys are going to work out or not. Why would you add – weight to the negative side of the of the scales you know the balanced scales like on the one hand we're going to get he's going to work out everything's great on the other hand it's like bust why would you deliberately add negative weight to this thing and tip the balance towards him not working out okay like yes if in an ideal world he's joe montana and it doesn't matter if his backup is steve young on the other hand joe montana was getting pretty pissed off that steve young was his backup and it probably didn't help sometimes you know, we think oh, it was nothing but good because they both ended up in the Hall of Fame. But fair point. You know, why would you deliberately mess with that is all I'm saying. So Joe Montana is a little sensitive, whereas, you know, Tom Brady is just like, all right, I'm just going to beat Jimmy Garoppolo out. I'm going to win four more Super Bowls after you drink my replacement. And I think, look, ultimately the Bill Walsh thing, I mean, it was madness, but it worked out. Like both those guys seem to actually get motivated or it, it somehow the – all the antagonism worked in a positive way for the 49ers. I'm just, it didn't, it doesn't feel like that's necessarily the smartest game plan in every scenario. That would be such a fun time to analyze football and like, what the heck is this genius coach doing? What's he doing? What's he doing with Steve Young and Joe Montana? Anyway, I have the 49ers as a wildcard team. Do you as well? Let's uh, get into the wildcards. We're both taking the Rams. Yes, I do. The Niners, I think we're both taking as wildcards. The Cardinals... We'll talk about in a minute. Seahawks are rebuilding. We don't expect the Seahawks to be in the mix here, right? Yeah, though okay. I think Geno Smith might actually end up giving them viable quarterback play. The interesting thing for Seattle is with, with the rookies on the offensive line and they still have the good pass catchers, I, I don't know what that defense is going to do. There's just so much overhaul over the last couple of years there. But the offense could be a little bit better. It, it's not going to be like a complete rebuild maybe offensively if Geno can play solid ball, which mm -hmm. he's done. Regular season plus preseason for whatever that's worth. It's just going to be tough to compete with the rest of the NFC there, I think. Um, so we're both taking the Rams to win the division. Let's, let's just, while we're talking NFC, 
Who are your NFC wildcard teams? Uh, I have Dallas, Arizona, and San Francisco. So Dallas, who I, I picked them to win the division. You're saying they're going to win the wild card, so we're flipping. I'm going to take the Eagles as a wild card, so we're basically mm-hmm. flipping. We both have them in the playoffs. You have the Eagles winning the division. I have the Cowboys. Um, you have Arizona and San Francisco both coming out of the West. Mm-hmm. So for the second straight year, the West is going to throw three teams into the playoffs. Yep. Yeah, I can see that. I kind of – I don't feel – I have the Vikings – just a recent buzz here. Vikings and 49ers to go with the Eagles. Well, the Vikings have the benefit of a much easier division, theoretically. Yeah, I think that's why I'm taking the Vikings because I don't feel good not having the Saints here. Yeah. The Saints were if, – if, if Jameis was the quarterback last year and they weren't dealing with the Trevor Simeon experience and all that stuff last year, the Saints are a playoff team. Probably. I could be convinced to take out Dallas for the Saints. Oh, you're that low on the Cowboys, huh? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, the Saints are the team I just I don't want to sleep on. the The question will become though, uh, do will they miss Sean Payton? We you mm-hmm. know there's Dennis Allen's taken over, but we don't know how much the Sean Payton factor and the Jameis factor. Full season of Jameis is going to be uh, will will weigh in there. It's also um, it's also a degree of confidence in the Cardinals. Like I I still maintain that this whole off-season cycle of misery around Arizona is overblown every year and every season they come back a better team than they left under Cliff Kingsbury and the current regime. Like every single season they've taken a pretty significant step forward. Now, the better they are, the harder it you know, the, the smaller those steps inevitably become simply because you can't, you can't win another four games on top, you know. You go from that to undefeated pretty quickly. Um but I still think it's just because the season's collapse at the end, it, we all come out of this going, oh, let's blow it up. This, this Cardinals experiment is going south. It's a disaster. But it isn't. Like, they're going in the right direction every single season. They're a good team. There's a lot of talent there. And, okay, no new Compkins for six games will be an issue, but there's still quite a lot of talented pass catchers there. Kyler Murray was really, really good until he got injured, call of duty or no. Like, I, I just think we're overdoing the, the negativity around Arizona. Did we uh, did we check the Call of Duty release schedule? I haven't uh, cross referenced that with important games this year. No. Just saying that's the uh, that's the advanced analytics mm. that we really need here. Call well, of like, Duty. Arizona releases. won more games than San Francisco last year, and they didn't get rid of get rid of their starting quarterback. Little known fact. You know what I mean? Yeah. The. The Jimmy, I don't want to spend all day on the Niners and stuff. The they Jimmy won, Garoppolo They thing. won more regular season games last season than the 49ers, the Raiders, and the Bengals, and the Chargers, yeah. and the Eagles, and the Saints. Like, they've won a lot of games last season. And if you just look at the season level, they have improved every year. Cliff Kingsbury and his team has improved record-wise, and Kyler Murray has improved. And improved year. significantly, like not little steps. You know, they're not inching forwards in the right direction. They are taking big leaps every offseason. It's just that nobody thinks of that because every season finishes with like a, a skid of a collapse and then we go oh this is this, this is terrible again your thing of what were we saying 12 months ago like 12 months ago cliff kingsbury was on the hot seat like they were saying if this thing doesn't start well i i don't know if cliff can i don't know if he's got the got what it takes at the nfl level this isn't going well and then they go and go from 500 to 11 wins and it's like oh maybe not scratch scratch that and then we're back to, oh, this is a disaster. The contract, the Kylo Murray situation doesn't even do homework. Like, blow it up. Like, I think we just, we get trapped in this cycle of offseason negativity with the Cardinals without looking at how, like, 
the trajectory they're on. And now we know Kyler Murray's going to do his homework. Oh, well, we don't. They took it out of the contract. No, no, yeah, that's removed from the so, contract. He might so do no homework now. So he'll do up to four hours of independent study, presumably. Up to. They should have just renamed it up to four hours. <laughs> so that could be zero. Could be zero. It could be four. Could be more. I'm now, you know, there was that question of like, well, who leaked it? Because nobody looks good. I'm starting to think that that was like 4D chess from his agent. Because the only benefit to anybody from that whole thing is that that clause is no longer in the contract. Yeah. Now, back to COD, if baby. your agent did that, A, he's the smartest agent in the NFL, and B, just what a move. Like, you leaked yeah, that your own quarterback doesn't do homework to get the, 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 the clause to make him do homework taken out of the contract. thinking long-term. He's not thinking long-term there. Well, I mean, you know, this is the contract that he needs. You know, his percentage, whatever it is, the 3%, this, that's the 3% you want is that deal. The one point I wanted to make on Jimmy Garoppolo, 31-14 and 14 as the Niners starter. Yeah. Almost 70%. And I know you don't want to judge a starter based off how the backup performs because the backup's been C.J. Beathard, it's been Nick Mullins, guys who I think are good, solid backups. But the Niners have been, you know, terrible with the backups there, even though the backups have put up good numbers, mm-hmm. right? What's the, is there some missing link there? Is there something? The, the, the QB wins people, this, this uncalculable aspect of, look, healthy Jimmy Garoppolo has gotten them to the NFC Championship or better, or the Super Bowl, in his two years as a starter. Could Trey Lance look better, have better numbers, add more deep ball, all that stuff, and they go 9-8? and eight. I mean, they were 9-6 and six last year in the regular season with Garoppolo, but could they go 9-8, and eight, miss the playoffs, all that stuff? The, the QB wins aspect of this, Garoppolo and Shanahan together or whatever, they've had a lot of success, even though it's been ugly. Even the playoff run last year was ugly and uncomfortable, but the Niners were still winning games, and they still almost made it to the Super Bowl, man. I think the floor. I'm curious about that. I just want to see how this one plays out, where I think Trey Lance could play better, but if there is this missing piece that Garoppolo is bringing to the table that is tough to quantify, is that going to show up? I think the ceiling is higher with Trey Lance. I also think the floor may have been raised because of his rushing threat, but the thing that can screw all that up is there's no single play in football more closely tied to winning and losing games than turnovers. And the thing that's definitely increased is the potential for turnovers so the floor may be higher as but a baseline because garoppolo's turnover worthy plays were insane last year and he had a lot of luck i mean there's a lot of luck there too yeah I'm, but I'm, i think I'm trey lance against myself i think here, trey but. lance is absolutely more more prone to a bad turnover than jimmy garoppolo even though that hasn't been i you think you're right in highlighting that that hasn't exactly been a <clears throat> feature of jimmy garoppolo's game people i think people still think of him as like a game manager type of quarterback he really isn't, though. Like, that guy puts the ball in harm's way a lot for somebody I mean, as it, it depends on how you, as he is. Yeah, it depends on how you <coughs> describe a game manager. Yeah, but people, when he people throws think— throws short passes that lead to big gains, when people think but he of also those, puts the ball in harm's way. Yeah, when people think of those sort of limited quarterbacks, they tend to think of them all as guys that don't really put the ball in harm's way but don't give you enough big plays, and that's, why they, that's where they're, they fall down. Garoppolo has always actually put the ball in harm's way quite a lot. But I think—I mean— I think Trey Lance's potential for turnovers is significantly higher yeah. than Garoppolo. And if those happen at the wrong time, just by luck, those can be losses versus wins. You know what I mean? So the, you talking about Baltimore earlier. You know, they lost a couple of games 
by virtue of going for two and didn't get it. Like the 49ers could easily lose two or three games next season because Jimmy because Trey Lance fires the ball at a corner that Jimmy Garoppolo wouldn't have. You know, now it might not happen, but that risk is there. Or that Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> also threw that happened to get dropped. Sure. We got an app here at PFF now. We do. We have an app that features inter- industry-leading fantasy football advice, exclusive betting dashboards from PFF, and the latest premium football analysis from people like Sam, all in the palm of your hand. You got to read all of Sam's articles on there. It's great. You just you just click through. I read everything Sam writes there. Uh-huh. You share it with your friends yeah. and say, hey, "Look what Sam said." Now it's usually. But yeah. we've got some really cool fantasy tools. You can see it up in the, one of those screenshots there at the kind of, um, I can't remember, we're calling that spider graph thing something different because the nerds hate spider graphs. But it's some really cool fantasy stuff that Rebrand the obviously man. right now is the time. You know, you get a, a really good idea of who to draft. You get an idea of who to target in specific rounds. Awesome fantasy tools that have been completely overhauled. Um, and, you know, now's the time to get in. So the whole app is free to download and use until the 2022 season starts, which is, by the way, this week. When you sign up, leave us a five-star review with your 2022 Super Bowl prediction and the final score, and we're, we'll share the best ones on the show. So we're going to get into our Super Bowl prediction. So we're going to finish our wild card, just to confirm here, my wild card for the uh, AFC here. Yeah. So NFC, I've got Vikings, Eagles, 49ers. You have Cowboys, Cardinals, Niners. My AFC wild cards, I'm going Chargers out of the West, Ravens out of the North, and the Dolphins. And the Dolphins. Buying I don't feel the two a hype. Like, I should take the Broncos there probably, right? I am going with the Chargers, the Broncos, and the Bengals. Right, so, so in, you're taking the Bengals because I took them to win the division. You took the Ravens. In each conference, I, am, I have one division that's sending three teams. Oh, okay, so the, yeah, the AFC West. The, the West in both, both divisions. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I got you. So, man. And if that all happens, that's going to be an unbelievable playoff. Yeah. It feels like there are well, unless the top half of stink, you know? Yeah, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> a lot of ebbs and flows during the season. Things change quite a bit. It looks like it's going to be an awesome NFL season, though. Mm-hmm. So send us in your predictions. Let's, get, let's just jump to our Super Bowl. Do you want to do, we'll finish with our Super Bowl prediction. Send us yours, though, in the app, five-star review, PFF. All right, let's uh, let's go. Let's just fly through the the player awards here. Okay, the Stevenson Award for the highest graded player uh-huh. this season. Defending champion is Trent Williams, yeah, and a major upset over Aaron Donald. Who are you going to take for the Stevenson Award this year? Well, this is like you always start with Aaron Donald. Yeah, I mean it's he's the favorite. We it's, should throw some it's odds. Always on this. Aaron Donald, unless so like minus one twice, which it was last year with Trent Williams. Yeah. Um, Donald's the favorite. Trent Williams is probably second. But if you take the approach of, you know, if you the, the, the most likely non-Aaron Donald player to win it, I I would take a swing at Justin Jefferson. Ooh, Justin Jefferson. Might be tougher a receiver to have the highest the highest grade. Mm. Certain positions better than You don't have to have the highest grade I was, necessarily. I was taking a swing with uh, Micah Parsons. Mm. Saying Micah Parsons with his uh, pass rushing ability, maybe some more opportunities as a pass rusher this year. Uh, improve his he'll improve his run defense grade maybe if he's got a more consolidated position so I took uh, Micah Parsons okay. as my uh, wild card choice just because I didn't want to pick Aaron Donald <laughs> for the Stevenson who's gonna win let's do the uh, rookies of the year that's what I was trying to look up here offensive and defensive rookie of the year this year I don't have a clear-cut favorite here that I love 
let me st- t- take whichever one you want when it comes to you, but defensive rookie of the year, I'm torn between Kyle Hamilton of the Ravens mm-hmm. and then just Aiden Hutchinson, the okay. Lions. I can see Aiden just having the 10 sacks and play a ton of snaps and, and being out there. So I'll take Aiden Hutchinson, but I could see Kyle Hamilton being that dude for the Ravens. Uh, the two names that I would suggest for defensive rookie of the year, um, Sauce Gardner, mm. I think, could end up looking insanely good. Right will he away. be targeted at all this season? I don't know that it will matter uh, because I think if he looks as good during the regular season as he has so far, I think he'll just get that aura hype and it won't matter that he doesn't get targets or interceptions and those things. Um, two, they also play enough cover three that he's looking at the ball enough that he might get a few picks to help his cause. <clears throat> the other guy, and, and he needs to start and get into this role and get the opportunities, but like N'Kobe Dean, I still have in a complete faith that Your if he ends shot. up starting, if N'Kobe Dean ends up starting all year for the Eagles, like he's just going to, wreck house as a linebacker even in this world where linebacker translating immediately to the nfl is such a nightmare to do right now i think he could easily win defensive player of the year if the right season breaks his way defensive rookie of the year odds we have aiden hutchinson the favorite and Kevon thibodeau second my guy kyle hamilton's fourth your guy sauce gardner is fifth nicobe dean is not that far down the list he's about 10th or 11th or he's ninth ninth at plus 1200 Throw a buck on it. Throw it on there. Over at DraftKings.com, of course. DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, how about offensive rookie of the year? The favorite is Kenny Pickett at plus 850. The second and third place players are interesting. A second rounder and a fourth rounder. Pickens? George Pickens, plus 900, and then Damian Dobbs. Pierce. Oh, Damian Pierce. At plus 900. Okay. He was fourth, right? Fourth round? Running back for the Texans. Because uh-huh. Pierce is probably going to be the... Yeah, the, the lead, lead back, back yeah. and anytime you give a lead back, like you're going to have some stats and some touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So, where are you going to go for offensive rookie of the year? I like Pickens. I think that one's definitely. I mean, I've liked him all along. I I think there might be some real juice behind the idea that Romeo Dobbs becomes that guy. Like he's yeah. every step of the way, and the Packers opportunity is there. Rogers is already talking about the role that he's going to have, or the expectations that he's going to have as part of the first team offense. Like that's the kind of production that he's had in preseason and training camp so he could easily be their number one wide receiver this is tough because you've got um predicting the award is opportunity driven but you also want to go with the players that you feel good about like i would i really want to say garrett wilson for the jets now i don't know how long he's going to have joe flacco throwing the ball to him when flacco's out and zach wilson's back is zach wilson going to be good enough to give garrett wilson those opportunities but i i like him as a player, he's 11th or 12th here in the list, plus 12, plus 1,600 to win it. Damian Pierce makes sense um, just because of the opportunities that he'll have there. You know, I'm surprised you didn't go Sky more with all the faith you have. Well, I have faith in a lot more. of these wide receivers. Yeah. Uh, Dobbs is an interesting one at plus 1,100. I would also say Chris Olave, who's fourth, plus 1,000. Not a bad uh, not a p- bad pick there. I, I, like, I like these receivers in this class. I'll, I'll, I'll pick Pickens. But I, I'll say Garrett Wilson as my longer shot to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. How about Offensive Defensive Player of the Year? Aaron Donald and whom? Yeah, I mean, Aaron Donald, I hate Offensive Player of the Year as an award. I mean, I would go with Justin Jefferson, I guess, if I've had him for my Stevenson Award. Jefferson and, Jefferson's uh, good. Donald. Yeah, Donald. Donald, 
for defensive. Maybe the, I'll say Miles Garrett this year, defensive rookie of the year. There's mm-hmm. uh, I'm defensive player of the year. So there's Miles Garrett. Oh uh, no, sorry, I said Mike because uh, I said Micah Parsons as my you Stevenson. Did. So we ha- I have to stick with it. This could be the year for Miles Garrett though, if I name enough names. Yeah, yeah, I'll get it. But I'm gonna say Devontae Adams, offensive player of the year. He's gonna put up stupid numbers. Derek Carr is gonna lock in on him even more than Aaron Rodgers. And one of the things that I don't think having a better quarterback is always this direct correlation to better production for the receiver. All you need is an aggressive quarterback and someone that's going to target you a lot. And I think that's what we're going to get with the Raiders. Derek Carr, old friend, that's how he treated him at Fresno State. That's how Derek Carr treated Amari Cooper when he had him as his one. Derek Carr is going to be going to Devontae Adams early and often this season. That's how Derek Carr treated Darren Waller. Remember, he targeted him like 19 times week one last year. So I think Adams is getting all the targets thrown his way, and he's going to win Offensive Player of the Year. Okay. Let's get to our Super Bowl prediction. Who is going to win the Super Bowl? Who's going to be in the AFC, coming out of the NFC? Who's going mm-hmm. to win? And what's the score? And remember, well, this, go download the PFF app and, and drop your Super Bowl prediction in there as well. And remember, we have to be reasonably bold with these. Do because, we? Well, we can't just take the favorite. You can't just go, you know. It's going to be Rams, Bucks. Because that's, or not Rams, Bucks, Rams, Bills. That would be bold. Yeah, Rams, just Bucks. Like Rams, would Bucks would be bold. Uh, we can't just go Rams, like Bills. The meteor hits all AFC that's, teams. That's what the favorites are. Um, and also, then we get to revisit after the season where my bold Washington pick looks absurd. Yeah. So fun for everybody. Oh, um, you've decided, I mean, I just decided to predict it. I, I went 10 straight years of predicting Packers, Patriots. Are you still doing that? Still, still time. I'm not Packers Patriots now. Okay. Um, all right, fine. I, my bold side of this is the Eagles in the Super Bowl Ooh, from the NFC. You're all in on the Eagles. Um, I will counter that with the favorite in the AFC, and it'll be Eagles-Bills. Why don't you just do – we can do one, one that you really believe in and one that's uh, a little out there. Well, I'm doing that within the same You're pick. just doing within. Okay, yeah. so you're taking Eagles-Bills. Yeah. In the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was going to go Bucks bills Do it every year. <laughs> no, give me the favorites. Yeah, really adding a limb. All right, let's, cra- let's go crazy here. Let's go um, Packers-Chargers. Packers-Chargers. Packers-Chargers Super Bowl. All right. Old man Rodgers against young, young man Herbert. That would be fun. Packers-Chargers. the number of people Chargers. that are calling Justin Herbert like the best quarterback of all time. It was one guy. No, it was two. One of them is his coach, to be fair. So, uh, you know, a notable name of reference was his current quarterback coach is saying, like, this is the best quarterback I've ever seen in my life. And then also, who is it, Ryan Harris? Yeah. Was saying he's the best quarterback he's ever seen, and he's played with Peyton Manning and somebody else who was very good. Yeah, I mean, the, he does he does impressive stuff physically. And it's not. Is that just something that's in said, lieu of the mental game? I guess. Is that just something that's said about all incredibly physically talented quarterbacks? Yeah. Like the people close to them are like, "This is the most amazing guy I've ever seen." Look, because he probably is. On you know, it's like the Matthew Stafford thing. Like, on, if on a small enough sample size of plays, Matthew Stafford is the greatest quarterback the game has ever seen. Yeah. But the thing that separates him from being that is the other plays. Yeah, I mean that's where I've really come around to Josh Allen because he's improved his consistency but it's it's tough to say Herbert's the most talented quarterback in today's NFL with Patrick Mahomes still here 
and Josh Allen still here. And Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers still here. And it and does it even matter By if way, you're Tom doing Brady still playing. Right. I mean, does it even matter if you're if you're doing the most talented stuff when I think Tom Brady has been whatever. How do you define talent? Tom Brady's been the best, right? At everything, pretty much, right? So who does it matter if you spin it a little bit tighter with your spiral? <laughs> does it actually matter? Um, I've come around to Josh Allen, though, in like the John Elway comps. Like a, a John Elway highlight reel. Put that side by side with Josh Allen's, it's similar. And I think that highlight reel looks different than Mahomes' highlight reel. Mahomes is Sammy Baugh. Put those highlight reels next Slay to each other. Sammy. Um, Herbert's an interesting one because I think he's got the special in him, but as we've talked about a lot, he's been this he's been closer to a game manager than statistically than it feels hasn't he yeah it's not like he's top five in big time throw rate i mean his big time throws are off the charts incredible he had the lowest even his non-big time throws look special he had the lowest turnover worthy play rate in the nfl last year right which is great this isn't a knock on herbert by a pretty big margin yeah it's not a knock on him it's just he's been closer to a game manager now how much is that the scheme and they're not unleashing him and all that stuff he's been closer to a game manager than this Farvian Mahomesian gunslinger that usually elicits those responses like this is the best guy I've ever seen I don't care if he fumbles or throws it to the defense this is the best guy I've ever seen in fact the only quarterback the last time a quarterback had a turnover worthy play rate lower than Justin Herbert's last year was 2018 Aaron Rodgers yeah now is this all right Remember our guy Timo was talking about, you know, Rodgers has this great touchdown to interception ratio and that's what keeps him from winning because there's there's just this little thing missing. He got to be more aggressive at the right times, right? You're overrating the stats. Is Herbert going to run into that? Is is Herbert I've always wondered about Herbert late game. He's been so much better than I expected. Uh, it was unbelievable what he did last year, week 18 against the Raiders, season on the line, throw after throw, fourth down conversion after fourth down conversion. Is there going to be a point where Herbert's taking care of the ball too well? And not aggressive enough. Is he going to run into that where maybe that's what Rodgers has? that's already a thing right now, which is, I mean, Timo made this point when those sorts of numbers numbers surface, which is a quarterback with Justin Herbert's skill set should not lead the league in turnover-worthy play rate. Just shouldn't. Like, you should be more aggressive than that with that skill set and therefore create a couple more plays that are ill-advised and shouldn't have been put in the air, Right. And because the overall net benefit of that is significantly in your favor. Like, it sounds ridiculous to suggest that a quarterback should put the ball in harm's way more. Make more bad plays, please. But the point is, you would take the couple extra bad plays because you're being more aggressive and therefore playing into your talent level more than by you, know, you are by simply being as careful as humanly possible with the football. So a quarterback that's able to do the things that Justin Herbert is able to do, like that fourth and nine play, against the Raiders to tie the game to try and keep that drive alive to keep their playoff hopes alive late last season. That's absurd. Like, that shouldn't have been possible as a throw. And yet, fourth and nine, he's like, fine, I got it. Boom, fires it in there. That should be a semi-regular occurrence with Justin Herbert. And it kind of isn't. Like, he does one every now and again or when it's absolute can't lose in terms of do or die right now, he does them. But he should, like, he should be doing that more because he's clearly got the talent to. That's it. I'm spending the rest of the day studying some of the QB tendencies. Get some ideas. We got some things. 
I'll unveil them throughout the season. 2017, Matt Ryan, by the way, had a turnover-worthy play rate of 1%. That was butt pick year. Yes. Which is the, so he had a turnover-worthy play rate of 1%, which resulted in 12 interceptions because yeah. of plays like the butt pick. Yeah. that was uh, Matt Ryan had this four-year stretch where his grade in output, statistical output, just didn't always That play. was the year. That might be the single greatest example of turnover bad luck where he was – almost completely flawless that season and yet had 12 interceptions because crazy crap like that kept happening incredible turnover worthy play rate um are you picking the bills over the eagles to win it yes all right i'll take the chargers over the packers in the super bowl this year to justin herbert bowl i have now picked the packers in like 10 out of the last 12 years i think yeah to go to the super uh-huh. bowl. this is the year how many times have they made it zero uh-huh absolutely zero all right send in your predictions and hit that thumbs up button over here on YouTube. <laughs> thumbs up on the way out. Still Download trying. the PFF app. Yeah, they're going to come. We're going to have thousands by the end of this. Uh-huh. Thousands of likes. Uh, Karen Rogers is a choker. I like player. Player nicknames are fun. Yeah. From, oppo- from uh, opposing fans. I don't think they are. They're, uh, quote, fun. Yeah. Fun. Anyway, season time. We'll be previewing... A week one later in the week. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. Got anything else? Go donate to Sam, the uh, the charity too, if you want. At mm-hmm. PFF underscore, underscore Sam's pin tweet or in the description here. Let's see Sam try to throw 60. Got it. Not a problem. Great. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll see you Thursday with week one preview. And hopefully not.